welcome to the podcast about interesting, everyday people. I'm Daniel Lance. I'm Paul Gilman, and this is Podzo One. Kyle Stevenson is a real estate entrepreneur and former football player for the University of Pennsylvania. This episode, we talk about Kyle's origins as a first-generation Jamaican-American, life in New Jersey, football, and how he got started with his first property that eventually led to a 30-year career in a successful real estate company. So here's Kyle. So, Kyle Stevenson, welcome to Pod So One. Great to be here. Yes. Now, Kyle, we asked you uh, a while ago to join us, and you're a busy cat, so... We're really glad to get you here, but I understand you've recorded another podcast. What was that about? Um, I spent, uh, so, yeah, someone had given me a call. I think he was a uh, real estate investor that did did asset management and said that he had seen my name on a, a few uh, few articles and asked me to... Um, asked me to just speak a little bit about property management, which I've, so I have a property management company. We manage 4,000 uh, units in Virginia and have multiple offices. So um, he asked me a little bit about property management and what I thought the keys were to successful real estate investing. You're and supposed so, to send me the link so I can listen to it. I, I will do that. All right. I'm going to have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so you grew up in Jersey like my uh, beloved bride did. Yes. What part of Jersey? C- center want? of the universe. So anybody that's confused, New Jersey is the center of the universe. Let's let's be clear. The address that you're at right now is Ashland, Virginia, also the center of the universe. There can be only one. It, it, it's funny that you bring that up because there is a woman who works for me. Her name is Katie. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm on my way to the center of the universe because you're you're right. Ashland, Virginia is also the center of the universe. I guess you're right. There, there can only be one. So we've got to figure it out. New Jersey or Ashland. <laughs> so what part of Jersey? So originally from South Jersey. So South Jersey uh, as opposed to... As opposed to um, North Jersey. We're, we're Eagles fans. Or if you're in Philly, it's like Eagles. So we're Eagles fans. Mm-hmm. And um, grew up in a small town, uh, a Levittown development, which is kind of that post-war housing. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Abraham Levitt developed a bunch of these communities. So just um, uh, kind of blue-collar, working-class uh, neighborhood. So that's that's where I grew up and um, lived there uh, my uh, you know, my entire life till I left for, uh, for college. We'll talk about where you went to college here in a little bit and that, that experience. How did your family end up in Levittown? So interesting enough, um, my my father, uh, who was originally from Jamaica, um, uh, came to the states in his twenties. Uh, ended up going to school. Ended up going to Howard. Hmm. Um, uh, was an engineer, civil engineer, and had an opportunity after graduating to. Uh, to relocate to New Jersey and was introduced to my my mother in some sort of church event mm. many many moons ago and they uh, when they got married they uh, they moved to uh, moved to to Willingboro New Jersey and um, and uh, raised myself and uh, my my younger brother and we you know I think both of us uh, had great experiences in New Jersey and and in Willingboro, and uh, you know it's 
been a good run for us. So your dad ended up having a, getting a job up there. He did. He my so my father um, was a civil engineer for the uh, for New Jersey Department of Transportation. So anybody in New Jersey from many moons ago, uh, they're probably familiar with circles mm, oh yeah. uh, on the highway and. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, that was something my 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 father was good at designing, and so there are a lot of circles all over <laughs> New Jersey. So what, yeah. I don't I don't know what circles you're so, talking about. So circles are when instead of having an intersection, a four stop intersection, oh, roundabouts, roundabouts. Oh, okay. Yes. So New Jersey was full of roundabouts. Still is. Yeah. Still is, and also jug handles. So yes. in New, in New Jersey, yeah, that's so weird. You can't make a left off of like a main road. You have to actually. You have to take three rights essentially, or or a loop. A jug handle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. So, and, and they have the pump in their own gas, too. New Jersey. So you got to love New Jersey. If you, so I always say, hey, if you are going through New Jersey, make sure your tank is empty because it's full service. <laughs> so, and you're paying the same price. And you're, you're paying the same price. That's funny. And, I, always, I always try to avoid it because I, I don't like the awkwardness of it. Of, of it. But oh. if you like the service, man. Um, well, you, it, people preferred it back in the day. So in, in a state like Virginia, you had the option. And you paid, you paid a premium. Yeah, and you paid more for full service uh, if you didn't ha- want to get out. So you roll car. down that window, right? It <laughs> used to be you roll down the window. Now I guess you you, you press, press the button, the window goes down. Yep. And, uh, you know, and so in New Jersey, it's like, hey, bud, what'll it be? And you're like, fill her up. And then they were like, regular? And you go, no, you know, no, unleaded. Because it used to be regular, unleaded. Right. That, that was the deal. That's how it rolled, man. <laughs> so, uh, nice. so I still go back. I get a little, you know, I get a little excited when I'm like, hey, fill it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been in Jersey in a while, but I do enjoy that experience because it's so different. So the uh, roundabout thing is interesting because so your, your dad is from Jamaica and there's British influence there and the British love their roundabouts. So I wonder if that... Did that kind of influence yeah. indirectly could, New Jersey? Could have ne- never thought about it, but yeah, he was all all about the roundabout. I remember we'd we'd go, you know, down a highway, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, just you know, I just developed this roundabout, or I just <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's awesome, you know. People curse them, but they're uh, it, it worked, yeah. I guess, for a while until the roads in New Jersey just got you know out of control. Yeah, just too traffic. much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Massachusetts, they love their roundabouts. Jersey loves their roundabouts. Their roundabouts popping up all over the place in Virginia now. Yeah, there are. Yeah. It's good for flow. It There's is. There's no doubt. I think they work for if, the, if the level of traffic is <laughs> low enough. Uh, but as soon as you have Jersey-level traffic, it uh, breaks down. Or well, Philly-Jersey traffic or right. New York-Jersey traffic. It, it, with different personalities that are working the roundabout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, your dad grew up in Jamaica, and he was how old when he came over? So he was in his early twenties. Um, came to the states. You know, it's the uh, the land of opportunity. So you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, my dad, like probably like any other immigrant, you know, just really wanted us kids <laughs> to get a great education. Um, you know, work hard, focus on school. And, um, and so he comes over and I remember, I mean, we, and and my, my family, we, we, we grew up in an Episcopal church Mm. and like, we, we couldn't miss church. Like we would never, ever, ever miss church. And 
Um, so it was a big, big part of our family. And so, um, I remember asking him at one point cause he was ridiculously involved. I shouldn't say ridiculously, but very, he was, involved, he was yeah. very involved. Mm. And, um, and I was, you know, I said to him like one time, like, you know, had you ever thought about being a priest? And, um, he said something that you wouldn't necessarily think of if you, are an American. So he says, you know, I um, would, you know, I thought about being a priest. He says, but, you know, my my concern was, he goes, you know, so you, you have to take certain oaths if you're a priest. So one of them is the oath of celibacy. And I would Th- That's think, where I stop. That's right. Yeah. So, so that's where most guys would be like, uh, ooh, ooh that's a tough one. Yeah. You're, you're asking a lot there. You're asking yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. His, the the concern that he had was taking the oath of poverty. Mm. And the reason was, he says, the thing that, the reason he came to the States was so that he could take care of his family back home Mm. because so many people needed support, financial support Mm. in, 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 in that third world country. So, um, you know, I always, I always remember that. I always respected that. And, you know, as I got older and had more interaction with some of the individuals in, um, in Jamaica, especially I, I lost, he passed away, uh, you know, several years ago, but, um, and, and I realized that there were things that were going on that needed, that, that had his support that disappeared. For example, he had supported some private schools in Jamaica, or he had supported uh, family members that were ill and needed health care. And so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's good that, that I now, along with my brother, can kind of carry that torch. Oh, nice. But you just don't realize, you know, how fortunate we are in, in, in the U.S. of A here um, from a, from a, an op- a financial opportunity. And, right. I, you know, I think that's just... We're in a capitalist economy. We got to kind of appreciate that. There's a there's a game associated with that, and some some people like that game, and there are other people that that don't. But that that's we're in a capitalist economy. So yeah. you, you you work hard uh, to generate, you know, your your income, and then you you decide what you want to do with that income. Yeah. So you're continuing to support the. What did you say it was a couple of schools? Yeah, so there are some some boarding schools that he had supported and um and then a couple of relatives. You know, it's you know, again, we take things for granted here. You know, I um on a on a recent trip, um, you know, I visited some some relatives that he, he had made sure that they had a roof on half of their home. Mm. The other half doesn't have a roof. But that's very common is that over time, um, you know, you, you build a little bit of your house at a time. So you build it as you get, you get cash coming in. Right. Hmm. So it's not, you know, you don't necessarily move into a home. A fully you, developed place. Right? No, you, you, you start off with a room and then, you know, you get enough money for another room. And, and and that could be a 10, you know, 15, 20 year process to get your home built. Just yeah. like just like mm. paying down a 15 year mortgage, 
Uh, that's right. <laughs> but a little, but a little of, different. Yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of the opposite. Instead of getting it yeah, up. Exactly. Like, yeah, instead of getting it up front. That's right. It's, it's like, what it's, that, that would, is what it would be like without loans or mortgages. That's right. That's right. So, so where where's your mom originally from? So mom's originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And um, yeah, so uh, grew up in Baltimore. Uh, she was a school teacher. Um in the in the the New Jersey school system, Trenton, New Jersey, and it's interesting because as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, man, those are two people that, you know, she worked in the school system for thirty plus years. He worked as a civil engineer for the state, yeah, for you know thirty years, and that that's kind of what it looked like. You know, you got a pension, very healthy pension, and um, you know, I'll say that I, you know, the the thing that I'm very fortunate about and appreciative of is. You know, I had I had a mother and a father that you know cared and wanted us to focus on school, and um, and uh, you know I I think having a, a a strong family helps you as you you know as you progress in life. Yeah, they're there to push you. They're also there to support you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean the the this association with success from just like. Um, you know, getting married before you have kids and getting through high school uh, is is really high. Just the, just having having two parents makes a lot of difference in someone's life. Um, so that's pretty cool. Very cool. And by the way, you and I have that in common. My mom was a lifelong educator, and my dad worked for the state government. Here we go, man. <laughs> and look at us now. We're, we're both like incredible human beings. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in my basement in the middle, of, right. in the middle of Hanover County. Yeah. Center Universe. Yes, Center Universe. So can't forget that. You're, uh, there was a strong emphasis on your education from your parents, and that led to you getting into a really good school for college. Tell us about that. Well, before process. you get talk about that particular college, how many places did you apply to? Oh, pretty ridiculous. So, so the one thing that I will tell you my parents didn't help me with is probably my self of, you know, my self-confidence. So, mm. for whatever reason, I felt like I couldn't get into any school. So, we we I applied to 13 schools. Oh my gosh, that's painful, 13. especially back in the day because yeah. everything was, it was manual. Like, yeah, yeah, it was all handwritten. Ooh. So yeah, ouch. So, I mean, it was everything from Seton Hall to William & Mary to UVA mm. to Penn to Princeton. I'm trying to remember a couple. Uh, so wait a minute, you went, you went after really hard to get in schools. Oh yeah. Really good schools, but you figured there was a 1 in 13 chance you'd get into one of those really right. good schools. Right, yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, that's it. That's it. Well, he, he and went, that's how I started my gambling uh, <laughs> my, my gambling problem as well. Just, just joking. That's yeah. just, you just hedged your odds. It's that's fine. Right. That's yeah. it. That's it. Someone that's, will take me. That's business. That's right. right. Yeah. Got, right. got a hedge. Well, I don't know if we told you. He went to William Mary. Oh. Yeah. Yes, sir. Great school. Did they let you in? They did let me in. But, you know, I, 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 I wasn't... It, even though I'm like you know two foot tall, um, wait, wait, I was wait, a pretty good. Wait, how, how tall are you, Kyle? Because we're going to talk, talk about legitimate, sports legitimately like five seven. Okay, which is probably five six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you played college football. I right? played college football. Um, ended up you know, playing at Penn, uh, three year Letterman, and, which is and let's ridiculous. be clear, it's not Penn State. That's right. It's don't, the, don't University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which which. 
was good like in the 40s, but not necessarily in the <laughs> 80s. They were national powerhouse in the 40s. Yeah, them in the not the. That's right. Yeah, that's Arbola. right. Exactly. Mm. So, um, but I actually got, you know, a lot of history there. Um, so, uh, was fortunate enough, three-year letterman, got to got to play like at Annapolis and, mm, nice. um, you know, got to, you know, you know, play in some pretty cool historical stadiums. And I mean, the, you know, the IVs aren't, you know, they're, you know, they're not a powerhouse juggernaut, but they're, uh, you know, it's competitive it's football. It's super competitive. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a good education. So it was a, you know, a great experience. Um, uh, it was a blur. You know, one of the things I did while I was there is I had also, again, my, you know, my parents are, you know, pushing to make sure that you learn and then you have life experience as well. So the, the interesting thing is it, it was very important for me to understand that I was going to have a job once I got out. This wasn't, you know, I wasn't there to learn just for the sake of learning. I was there to get a to, ticket to get a ticket yeah. to go work somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, hey, come back home and that that's not that wasn't that's not what they looked at school for. So I ended up getting an internship with a company, Scott Paper Company. So Scott Tissue, Scott Towels, Cottonell. Was it Michael Scott? It was. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Dunder Mifflin? It wasn't Dunder Mifflin. It was not Dunder Mifflin. So, the right state, though. There you go. There yeah. you go. Actually, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so I would get up. It was pretty crazy. So my day would look like I would get up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. I would go out and work at Scott Paper from like 6 till maybe like nine or 10. Mm. So when most people were driving in, I was getting ready to leave. Um, and then, uh, I mean, football's a commitment. It's, 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 it's every day. So, uh, I would go to school from probably my classes were like from like 10 to maybe two. And then you go down to the stadium, you know, and the older you got, the more beat up your body is. So right. you go down to the stadium around, Gosh, around two thirty-three, practices from four to six. Then you got to go to the training house to eat. At least that's the way it used to be. Right. And then maybe there's film, and then you got to study, and then you do it all over again. Were you getting like so, four hours sleep a night, kind of thing? Yeah, or six. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a grind. Four four to six hours a night, and um, and then you, you you get after it, and then you know, Thursday night you leave for away game. Friday you're you're you know doing walkthroughs and, you know, maybe you're studying a little bit and Saturday's your game. After the game, you get on a bus or you, you know, get on a plane, you come back Sunday, you wake up, you got to go. Usually it's kind of like a check-in to make sure that you're still okay. Sunday night, you know, is, um, you still remember it, you know, Sunday night would be uh, <coughs> film. I know it was film review and then I think Monday you started with yeah your 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 film for your next game, and I mean that's that's you know people realize like if you really want to play college football, I mean that's that's your schedule. That's a real commitment. It's yeah. a it's it's every single day during the season. Like you may get a day off. Scott um, Paper Company was it Monday through Friday. 
So that was Monday through – well, it wasn't really Monday through Friday. During, during football season, maybe it's three days a week because right. you, you got away games. You got a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. But that was, that was a great experience. So I did that actually for, I think, two or three years and, um, and then ended up after college going and, and working for them. But then I got a little bit involved with, with real estate as right. well. Yes, you did. But, Let's yes. not leave football just yet, though. So what, what do you like so much about football? Because you clearly – we're de- dedicated uh, to it for a long time. So and, and you still are. I still am. Yeah. So you know, I it it's the ultimate team sport. You have all different types of athletes, all different types of sizes, all different types of kind of mindsets. You know, you you know the you know, we're we're a defensive lineman, it's just a grunt and grind person relative to maybe an offensive lineman that you kind of look at is they're a little bit less emotional and mm. probably a little bit more intellectual. Mm. And, you know, a linebacker who has to really just understand formations and has to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, it's it, And if one person doesn't do what they're supposed to do on a play – the play blows up. Yeah, and, it's and weakest link. It's yeah. the weakest link. And I really look at it when it when it's orchestra- uh, orchestrated correctly, it is like a symphony. Mm. It is like ballet on the gridiron. I am It's ballet with men brutally running into each other. Yes. <laughs> so I, I just think it's an you know an incredible sport. I you know um you know, I, I admit that it was much more violent many years ago over the past probably 10 years. I'm really impressed with the new tackling techniques. It's something, quite frankly, I didn't believe in in didn't, the beginning. Didn't even consider. Right? Didn't even consider. And when you realize these new tackling techniques actually allow little guys to take down big guys easier... And it just it happens to be less violent, but it, it actually works a lot better. It's effective, it. and it's the long term effects uh, are not as bad. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm a I'm a you know I'm a big advocate of the sport. I do believe some people are predisposition to concussions, mm. um, and those individuals, if you have a concussion, uh, you, you you need to reconsider the sport. Yep. That's that's what I believe but I, I don't um based on other things that i have seen other sports that i've seen i don't look at it as anything that is more scary than soccer or more scary than you know i've, I've seen people get blown up with a baseball where they yeah. have some some pretty long-term challenges um I've seen some pretty gruesome wrestling uh, yeah. challenges. Yeah. 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 A lot yeah. of concussions. Yeah. Did you enjoy like uh, – so football, it's not an individual sport at all. You said it's ultimate team sport. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy being like one of those cogs that had to move perfectly to make sure the play worked uh, versus being like uh, a leader or an individual? Well, let's back up. What positions did you play? So believe it or not, I, I was a 245-pound – Nose guard. <laughs> nope, Wait, hold on, nope. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Uh, keep talking, Kyle. So I'm gonna have to draw this up for a second. So okay. So honest to goodness, and 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 at this point, I had dropped some weight. I think it was in my senior year because I just I just watched a clip. Um, it was an ESPN. So they were doing. I don't know why ESPN was. I, I guess they were just getting rolling, but they they had IEV football on Saturday. Oh, so. Cool. Um, so I just watched, uh, they just released this thing with, uh, on ESPN and I looked at myself and, um, you know, watch myself playing and they're like, he's, he's, he's a small one, but he's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have that. I just watched it. I showed the kids last one. I, I said, Hey, I said, that's awesome. There's your dad. <laughs> wow. All right. The O's are offense. Daniel, All right. the X's are defense. The O's are on top. Yeah. Bunched together. The, the, the quarterback's that dude out. that's just behind the center. Okay. Okay. That X right there in in the A gap is yep. the nose guard. Yeah. Oh, so you're trying to get in there and sack the quarterback. I'm, I, I am, but I get, and, I, and I got everybody coming at me from every different direction. He's and, a run stuffer and he's yeah. in the middle of the maelstrom. Just, 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 just the middle of just a yeah. chaos. Dang. Yes, correct. Correct. And so, yeah, so I like being, you know, so the, the interesting thing about when you're in your teens or you're in your early 20s is you can't appreciate the dance. You can't appreciate the ballet. I think you, you know, you're that individual. You're just that. You're too into yourself. You're too into yourself. And if there's something that I, you know, I look back on, I'm like, man, how come I couldn't be more mature and understand just everything that, you know, um, we were trying to to do and and the philosophies of of you know whether it's gap responsibility I mean all, all this you know all this terminology we don't need to get into on the podcast but that's one of the things like I look at now like the linebackers and I go you know they those guys were probably just more mature than I was <laughs> just a little bit brighter I just I just wanted to maul I mean they almost had to you know they almost had to just say hey man line up and you know. You know, that left A gap or whatever, and just, you know, make sure you don't lose your gap responsibility. Mm. So, you know, admittedly, I think that, you know, there's a there's a level of maturity as as we get older that you you start to appreciate even with with, you know, I I get it now with business. You know, I I was uh, I've been a salesman. So, you know, for a large part of my life. That's that's kind of you. You're you're an individual, and you're selling. You're an individual, mm-hmm. and so to run a firm or really start to become a leader, um, you, you learn how to appreciate teams and the function of teams and individual strengths and weaknesses. So part of that, I think, is just getting getting older and wiser. And you know, that's that's so it's been a, it's been good. It's been a you know good run. I yeah. sound like an old man, and you no. get to appreciate the symphony. And I get to appreciate the symphony. I mean, there are times, seriously, I look at film, I go, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, I'm just like, oh, everything flowed. And wow, you know, you know, this person actually got downfield and was able to block, you know, such. I go, this is exactly the way it's supposed to look. It's the, the way it was drawn up. The way it was drawn up. The hole opened up where it was supposed to hold, you know, open up. You know, everybody took the right step. All of the linemen, you know, zone blocked. You know, and step down. They step with it, and it just looks. It just it looks like a ballet. Do you try to get the? So you coach high school. I coach. Yeah, I, I coach right? youth for a number of years, and now I'm 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 putting my dipping my toe into high school. So do you try to get 
the youth slash the high schoolers to appreciate that that beauty, or do you kind of see it as a you'll appreciate it in good time? Um, I, so so I think one of the reasons we we did okay was that I I don't know if we necessarily talked about a symphony, but we we did talk about you know you can either love Bill Belichick or not, but you know that everybody does their job, that we're a part of a team, and that. You know, we're not going to be the biggest, the fastest, the strongest football players. We're not. That that wasn't – I didn't have those players. And so we were kind of upfront and transparent about that. We said, but here's the deal. We're going to be more disciplined. We're going to understand the game better. You know, we're going to do our jobs. We're, you know, we're going to work together as a team. You know, we're just going to work a little bit harder. And so we focused on that and um, really – had a had a nice thirteen year run with a bunch of different teams and um you know quite a bit of success you know at the youth level so awesome uh, yeah yeah and the teams that do the things you just described really really well tend to win a lot of games they tend to win a lot of games yeah. and they don't necessarily have to have the 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 best athletes you know i you know one of the things I really used to enjoy and I can't remember i'm I'm embarrassed I can't remember the guy's name right now. He retired a couple of years ago, but the guy that was at Georgia Tech that ran the oh. triple... Um, yeah, he was dedicated tri- to it. He was dedicated to it, and the the guy didn't get, you know, five-star athletes, and he... He, he couldn't, He right? couldn't, right? And so when you take a look at that, when you take a look at the academies a lot of times, you know, be, because they have limitations on the sizes... Of their athletes, they they have to do something a little different, and so um, so those are the things that that make me you know that's what gets me excited to be able to take a look at a navy or an army and see them compete maybe against. They play know, Notre just, Dame every year. They right? play Notre Dame every year. Yeah. Every year, you know. Paul Johnson was the guy. Paul here. Johnson, yeah. what a flipping monster! Yeah, Paul Johnson, and, God, and, and, God and they fired him. him. A couple years ago, right? I think he retired. Oh, did he? Okay. I think ahead. he just he'd been he'd been coaching for over forty years. That's a long time. It is. That's a really long time. That's a really long time. So you're now high school uh, dipping so, your toes yep. in the high school because your son it, is playing. So he he is. Um, I don't know if he's going to play at the high school I'm I'm coaching at. Oh wow! Uh, so okay, we'll we'll see. Um, but uh, I'm I'm at Freeman. It's uh, the, the gentleman that I am, um, gentleman I'm I'm working with had a great track record. I used to watch him at the youth level. Now he's a high school coach. Um, I like the way he communicates. I like the way he pumps up his kids. His kids aren't the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, or our kids aren't the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. But I I know he focuses on discipline and uh, and commitment. You know. Uh, to, to work as a team, and, and that those are the philosophies I, I really try to live by. Yeah, so nice. I'm excited about it. Nice. Yeah. Does your son go to that high school? He doesn't, so he's going to apply to the center. Um, um, gotcha. This, so is we'll, County, this is Henrico County. This is Henrico County, so we'll, we'll see. All we'll right. see. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And All right, so let's talk about your family real quickly since we brought up your youngest child. Yeah. You have how many kids? So I have three kids. I have um, my, my oldest, who is... Uh, is now at at um, at UVA, 
Uh, so you know a little about that. I do. Um, Not the virtual thing that he's no, doing. No, you don't. Right? No, you don't. So he, he's at UVA, and he made the marching band. Nice. And so um, hopefully he'll get to march next year because of COVID this year. That's not happening. Right. Um, what does he play? He plays sly trombone. Nice. So he is all about the brass, man. He's all about the low brass. That, so, one, that one always looks like the most fun. Man, he's... he's um, I'm excited. He says, Dad, he says, I think, he goes, there's a low brass house. He goes, I think I'm moving to the low brass house next year. <laughs> I didn't know that I was, was a thing. I was like, <laughs> you do it, man. You do it. So, uh, so I'm actually, cool. I'm really excited. So he's, yeah, uh, um, and, and so he's at UVA. My daughter is a, um, a pretty intense young lady that loves soccer and is playing pretty competitively. And we'll see. How that works out for her? A little scholarship wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're work we're we're working towards that, and we'll see how it goes. And then my my youngest is just football's his first love. He's a great wrestler. Doesn't embrace the sport as much as I'd like him to. Um, so I gotta I gotta work through that. He's young. He's young. He doesn't embrace wrestling or football. Oh, uh, he he loves football. He's not wrestling is not his favorite but mm. he's he's good he's naturally good at it he's naturally good well, you know he's worked so hard at it and so i mean he's he's good and i and i think wrestling does a lot for you in other sports so we gotta we just gotta figure that out so i you know so are, are any of your kids taller than you i, I you know I, my gut is when it's all over all of my kids hopefully will be taller than me. My yeah. son, my son towers over me, um, which isn't hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, my daughter's about my height. Okay. And um, the, the, the youngest one right now is not tracking super well, but, you know, he's, he's just kind of, his voice is just starting to change. So I got my fingers crossed for him because he, he really. Yeah, he, could, he could blow up. He, you know. He, I, you know that that's what he wants. <laughs> I think most people want that, right? Yeah. You never meet a five seven guy. It's like, oh, I'm glad I was five I, yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember it's crazy. Again, this is probably putting age on me. I remember like some. Gosh, it was some episode on the Brady Bunch, man, where like Bobby was like really, you know, kind of bummed out about his height. And I'm like, hey, like I can identify with Bobby, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're four inches taller than Muggsy Bucks. There you go, there you go. He did okay. He did great. There you go. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're doing okay too. Yeah. So. You know, um, yeah. I I would say you know your your son that's like not feeling the wrestling as much. I would recommend Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a way to maybe uh, lean back into a because there's a lot of wrestling involved with Jiu Jitsu with the takedowns, and then he might really be into all of, of the submission stuff as well. So yeah. that's just a thought. You're saying that from a place because you do. I'm, yeah, right I'm obviously now. biased. Yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, good. So yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't wrestle in high school though, so it, it is a different dynamic because you're on a wrestling team and you're going to compete. Jiu-jitsu is much more individual. Individual. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. All right. So Kyle, after college, you uh, were selling. Right. And you were traveling a ton. So interesting. Yeah. So. I ended up staying with Scott Paper for a few, for a couple of years, okay. and um, and and really was enjoying it. Um, 
you know, but one, one of the things when I was at Penn, um, Donald Trump was huge, huge well, at the time. Well, didn't he go to Wharton? He, he did. Yeah. He did. And so he had his, his picture up on the wall. And they, but while I was there, he got into some trouble. So, shocker. And so they pulled it down. Now, it was him. There's another guy, Boatsky. Mm. Ivan Boatsky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got into some trouble. And then, um, Ivan was big on Wall Street, right? Correct. It was Ivan Boatsky. I can't believe I just forgot the other guy who, who, who went to jail. Um, so Boatsky went to jail and Michael Milken. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so I, I, you know, so that's that's where I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, the top five NBA program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there were some issues around integrity. Big thing when I was school there because that was what had happened with Trump and with yeah, Milken and Boatsky. So long story short, um, it, it kind of inspired me. Because you just would hear about Trump real estate, Trump real estate, Trump real estate. And again, when you're in your, your early 20s, um, you think you can conquer the world. You have no clue kind of what the starting points were. So I didn't realize that Fred Trump, Donald's brother, right? Or his fa- dad, fa- dad, father, right? kind of got him rolling with about 250 mil. So by the by the way, I'm not that hardworking. I'm not that smart. But even I could be successful with that. With, with 250 that mil, man, you you yeah. So so was all was all the Trump talk like just uh, like this guy is doing really well and he's a case study, or is it? Oh, he went to our school. Let's talk about him. I, yeah, I mean, I I don't even think really people were. I, you just you understand he was huge with the media. He was crushing it. He was doing a bunch of things in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really this word around campus. At least I don't remember it being that way. I just looked at it and just was like, holy cow, man. I mean, this is, I mean, you look at these buildings in Manhattan and you're like, all right, why why can't I do that? Did, you, <laughs> yeah, did your dad I, hand I, you I a quarter it. billion dollars? Yeah, so that that was... That was the tripping point right there. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't realize that even though like ten years later, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. sitting. I'm sitting there like on my first real estate deal, you know. And I mean, I'm. I'm trying to scrape off some, you know, you know, a few shekels off my credit card, and um, uh, yeah, I. I was like, all right. So I got this duplex in a pretty rough neighborhood in Patterson, you know. I, not sure how I'm gonna get from here to Manhattan, but. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep it rolling. Mm. They seem like two different planets, right? Yeah. yeah. That's because they, they kind of were. Yeah. <laughs> so what you sold some stuff while you were uh, dabbling in real estate. So real estate, to use today's terminology, was a major side hustle for you, but that was not your core right. income. So I was I was selling, literally selling toilet paper. I, I got a part-time job. I always talk about my part in New Jersey because nobody can have like one job in New Jersey like to make ends meet because it's so flipping expensive. Right. So I worked uh, selling toilet paper, and then on nights and weekends, I worked at Topps Appliance City. <laughs> Topsy. I always say, I, you pull it up, probably Google it. So Topsy, again, New Jersey is just kind of, you know, forget about it. Yeah. So, liter- so literally, on their ads, it was like, you know, uh, refrigerators for $500. 
Topsy, forget about it. Topsy has it for $400. <laughs> so you were like a floor salesman? I was a floor salesman. Yeah. You know? And then I was trying. And then, and then in New Jersey, you're also trying to upsell people on that warranty that... Uh, so it was like, hey, you know, anything, suppose the refrigerator gets hit by like a lightning bolt. You got to have, we'll replace it, you know, your refrigerator, you know, suppose it breaks. What's well, that supposed to break? Well, you know, for things extra happen. 50, yeah. things happen, you know. And what so. was the, uh, when you were selling toilet paper, how, how did that interaction, did you just walk in to offices and try to sell it? No, you don't, no, 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 no. You go to grocery stores to sell it. But um, you just, I mean, you just cut people deals. Hey, if you buy... You know, half a truckload of Scott tissue, you know, we can give you, you know, a certain percentage off of each roll. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's still probably the hustle. Yeah. You know, I mean, so I used to sell Baby Fresh, you know, know, Baby Fresh, you know, so, you know, Baby Fresh wipes, pre-moistened towel wipes. So, uh. They still make those, right? They still make them, man. So, you have, you know, I sell up, you know, call it 20 pallets. I'll come if you, if you. If you buy this baby fresh from me, I'll come and do a display for you. So you go out and you take the baby fresh off the truck and you you know put it up and that's that's what you were doing. That's hustling. That's that's the hustle. So I did that and then um, and so I kind of was you know putting a few shekels together and then I ended up being able to do my first real estate my deal, first yeah. real estate deal. So I, when I met you, I think you were doing uh, surgical equipment. So what happened was, yep, so I relocated. So I had the opportunity, pr- pretty good at pretty good at just sales and learning sales. And so I had the opportunity to sell surgical equipment. So a lot of people are like, well, shoot, don't you need like a medical background to right. sell it? No, really, you just need to know how to sell toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the grocery so, store guy is different than a doc. Aren't you it, selling it the is, docs? It is. Yeah. So... So you, um, I mean, you learn your basics of whatever your craft is, and then you, you know, I, I spent several months learning about specific parts of a of a procedure of a of a sur- surgical procedure, and then you can hopefully be a consultant to that physician, that surgeon, with that, you know, with that specialty that you learn. So it's funny because. Once you get into it, you're actually spending more time in the operating room than the surgeons do for a certain procedure because mm. you're, you're just focused. So we, you know, for example, if I spend a bunch of time on hernia repairs, well, shoot, I may sit in 10, you know, hernia repair surgeries a week. And that surgeon may only do, you know, one or two a month. And so you actually, you know, be in, in observing a bunch of surgeries, you end up, you know, learning tips, you know, from other surgeons and you actually become a resource for those surgeons. So it's a, it's a pretty fulfilling experience. So you're learning by all that repetition and by all that engagement uh, with the surgeons. Is it to change your product to make those, that equipment better, or was it to figure out how it could best be used or both? Yeah. So it's both. So, you know, there was a a gentleman who I really, you know, just sitting here with you guys, I, I I think about the guy, there was a, there was a guy in Norfolk, Virginia, a general surgeon, and he was really committed to his craft. And 
we had a product that he really liked. And while he was using that product, um, he learned how to use it in a manner that wasn't being typically used. And we created a great, a great procedure. And with that, we created a course. And so surgeons from all around the country would come in mm. and we would fly them in to learn how to do a special type of, it was called an incisional hernia. Sometimes people have, um, uh, they've had a prior procedure and so they have an incision where that procedure it was and that the, the, the forces of the stomach, the abdomen may, may push or create what we call an incisional hernia. Mm. And so there are ways to fix that. And this guy had a great way to fix it. Um, that, uh, that really, I think changed the way that hernia, that her, incisional hernias were repaired for, you know, for, for, for several years, probably. Right. And so we got to do that together. Yeah, so, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Was it always uh, hernia sort of yeah, surgeries? It, no lie. Now that I think about it, your wife's parents helped me do classes on it. Oh, that's right. That's right. How freaking scary is this that, that we're talking about this 20 years later? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Super weird. Yes. That's right. Y'all had the Jersey connection. No, 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 no. So you're, 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 no, your wife. I know y'all met, met out here, but yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. We had the Jersey but connection. They, they moved here in 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah to be near, uh, yep. to be near me. Mm-hmm. My in-laws moved down here to be closer to me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you clearly like entrepreneurship. So, so tell us what you love about entrepreneurship. Oh man! So what I what I love right now, kind of in my life, is creating goals and then getting from A to B. You know. And, and I'm the one who kind of helps create the execution plan to do that with, with help from others. And, and really, at this point in my career, taking teams, making teams better, making individuals better, learning from individuals, allowing people even, let's say I have some weaknesses and getting coached up about my weaknesses. I mean, all that is, to me is entrepreneurship. I'm not a serial entrepreneur. Right. I love real estate and I love deals, but you know, at the core of it, I have a, I have a team that means a lot to me and, and I want to have a positive impact on their lives. I mean, that's, that's what, and it gets me high every day. I have no, I, I love what I do. I say this all the time. I love what I do. Like probably 95% of the time, like there, 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 there has to be one to two days out of the month that I'm like, Oh, this is, pretty crappy but the other time i really i i I get up and i'm i'm energized and love what i'm doing that's cool most people can't say that yeah so uh real estate can be up and down right it can be awesome at times and it can be rough at times i remember talking to you i think back in 2010 2011 somewhere in there and what what i remember walking away from that conversation you basically said i've proven to myself that i'm a grown man because i can survive what just happened in the marketplace yeah so talk talk about the the 
giant recession uh, and how you worked your way through that uh, at, a, at a fairly high level and then talk about what it's like these days with the pandemic. Sure. So it's funny because I know exactly, I guarantee you, I know the story that I told you about where, where I had bankers playing poker with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I didn't know that, that they could do that. They could do that. So we'll talk a little bit. So, um, so it's interesting. So I, I think... You know, again, what you don't realize is, I don't know if it's every 10 to 15 years or cycles, but when the real estate market collapsed, um, well, well, number one, I guess in 2007 is when I left corporate America. Timing could have, couldn't have been worse. Timing couldn't have been worse, man. And, and, and you didn't know it because it still felt pretty good in 2007. So... At that point, I had accumulated a decent amount of real estate and said, okay. And, and I also felt confident enough to go out and help other people or partner with other people to, to go out and actually buy, let's say, an apartment building and get a loan for it and manage it and make sure everybody makes some dough. And then... In September of 2008, the music stopped. Um, Lenders would not lend you money for a stick of gum. Mm. It was pretty flipping bad. And so why, why is that difficult? Well, if you have a deal, even if it's the most incredible deal in the whole wide world, uh, you can't buy it. So you're kind of stuck. You know, whatever you have, you get to keep. Now, what also happened and what can happen in difficult times is lenders, lo- loans begin to default. So when loans begin to default, lenders can get a little bit concerned. And if somebody else is not paying their their mortgage, okay, on their property, they need cash because they don't have cash coming in. So while it sounds a little crazy, they may not, in, in commercial, with commercial loans, those loans have shorter termination dates. It's not like a loan on a house. It's not a 30 year. It's not a 30 year, maybe five years. Mm. So let's just say that your loan is coming up in the beginning of 2009, they want their money, they want all their money back. So if the balance, let's say, is a million dollars left on the loan, they're like, hey, uh, Kyle, we, we're not going to renew your loan. And if you don't have a million dollars laying around, that, that's a problem. <laughs> Which, when everybody stops paying rent, you don't get that million dollars. Correct. Well, even if they are paying, even if they are paying rent, you don't have all that. You don't have that because you, yeah, you, you're just making a little bit every month. So that's that's a problem, oh, and you can't borrow it further because nobody's lending you money, right? Yeah, they were speeding up a five year loan and turning it into a three and a half year right. loan. Yeah, it just it just was really really messy. Mm. Um, or they would say, hey, if, and if you can't pay it back, then maybe we're going to increase the rate, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. So it really. You know, I use the term, it was really a nut cruncher. 
Because <laughs> you kind of just had to sit there and and like you, you let got it happen. that like you feel yeah yeah like kind of yeah like a squeeze yeah in, like a crunch in, in, in a very uh, <laughs> very delicate part of the uh, the body it was a nut cruncher yeah so um, how, how long did the nut crunching go on gosh I mean it was probably oh uh, two to three years. Ooh. Two oh. to three years, it was pretty uncomfortable. Mm. It was pretty uncomfortable. Um, and on top of that, admittedly, people didn't have their jobs. Um, they, and, and I'm not, I don't want to go get too deep into the weeds on what's going on right now, but people really didn't have any jobs like back then. Like now people are choosing whether to work or not work, which yeah. is a whole top, but, but, then they didn't have jobs. I mean, it was bad. Default rates were horrible. I mean, it was, it was bad a, for a lot of people. It was bad. Yeah. So you know what's going on now, even with COVID. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I really, really believe this. There are some market problems, like there are specific market problems. Like you got retail. You know, you probably don't want to be in retail. You don't want to necessarily be in office space, right? Those are just um, hotels. A great example: if you're at a hotel at the beach, a destination one, they've been packed because right. people are trying to social distance away. Okay, in the United States because they can't travel internationally. Mm. But if you're a hotel in an office park, yeah, you're done. You got a problem. So it's real specific where things are going well and where things are are going sideways. We, we've been very fortunate. Um, I know I'm doing this podcast at the end of 2020, but we've been incredibly fortunate through the pandemic. Um, I don't know if that's going to change. Uh, I do believe we, we need to, as a country, uh, probably consider expediting getting back to work. I think that you just you just have a core group of people that are taking advantage of of um, or they're I shouldn't say they're taking advantage they're using the pandemic as a reason for not working. Yeah. It's a small percentage, but there there are people out there now. I say that I'm sure there are things within the stimulus packages and the CARES package that as a landlord and a business person I've taken advantage of. So I think we just kind of need to just ease back, you know, whether you're a business person or whether you're a, um, you know, you're, you're at home, not working. We just kind of need to get back to yeah. a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Cause then it'll be, it'll be a nut crunch again, but for the whole country. Correct. Not just for real estate. Correct. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Cause yeah, this can't continue for much longer. Right. What we've been doing. Uh, the good news is the election is November third, and right. we might see things change significantly after. We'll, we'll, after we'll the third. see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see some change one way or the other yeah. because I believe that the elections, on whatever side you want to be on, the the elections have delayed some of the progress. That's right. right. Yep. Yep. There's no doubt. So I want to ask. Uh, earlier, you were, you talked about the game, like right at the beginning of the podcast. You said the game. Some people love playing it. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on it and specifically like on the game versus uh, there might be people who m might not like the game 
but they still want to do good, uh, but they don't make a lot of money. So like teachers is the example that I go to a lot. Uh, <clears throat> they're not really interested in the, in the capitalist game. Um, and they're doing probably one of the most important jobs in you know society, uh, but they're not getting paid very well. Whereas like people that like to play the game end up getting paid really well. And how, how do you see like the natural balance of things between those two uh, groups of people? You didn't know this was going to be so deep. Yeah, this is this is a deep one. So, so I think you know one of the things I've said throughout this is I you know you you, you want to touch people and make a difference in people's lives. So, if if I could find a way to educate the teacher about even minimal wealth development, because there are things that you can do even if you're a school teacher, to generate more wealth. And it may be before I leave, or, or you know, I just talk about the, sing- the single family home. If you, if you have one rental and you've done everything you can and you've made all the sacrifices you can to afford to purchase maybe one rental home, mm-hmm. and you do that when you're, in your 20s, which the problem is, is we're not thinking about retirement in our 20s. That's the, the, the hiccup. You can, just that one home alone will subsidize any retirement plan that you have. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's understanding a little bit of leverage understanding, you know, what I, I think to be is the best investment vehicle in the whole wide world, and that's real estate, if you do it properly. Mm. Um, you know, you can, you can be that millionaire. It's just, it's just, it's just that it's, um, it does take some effort, and, and some people may view it a little bit as a grind, but I think the fruits of the labor of real estate really help help you know subsidize your future yeah they make you well they lay the groundwork for you to become financially independent long term it 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 really really does and and i it's i'll I'll tell you again my you know my my first deal which i did everything completely wrong on my first deal there's nothing i did right okay (laughs) nothing you went over i went over okay um that that deal was done probably 30 years ago now and that deal has in has involved has evolved into you know so so that was a $3000 investment that yields call it $50,000 of income a year now and um but but it didn't feel that way for a real long time yeah, and it's just hard to explain that now. If somebody listens to this podcast, to say, okay, so in thirty years, if I do this now, I'm gonna feel like this thirty years from now. It's really, really hard, man. It's it's because you're you're talking about stuff that's just not conceivable when you're when you're in your twenties. 
you, you, you never can envision yourself being 50 years old. You can't see past the weekend. You, you really can't. When you're can. in your 20s. Yeah. Not all 20-somethings, but most 20-somethings. Yeah. We're, we're looking at Daniel when we say 20-something. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, uh, even for people that are, you know, think to themselves and say, I'm not good at all that uh, dealing and buying real estate and invest. I'm not good at all that stuff. There's still, like, maybe you would say a fundamental level of, of knowing how to play the game to really protect yourself and your future that, you know, most people should probably learn to be able to play at least minimally, even if their full-time job during the day is something like being a teacher. Yes. Yes, because it it because it allows them if they still love teaching, let's say in their thirties or forties or fifties, if they created a small foundation for themselves in their twenties, heck, man, they can teach. You, they're they're going to feel free to teach in any way or anywhere they want to go. It's it's that it's that freedom that our economy allows right and mm-hmm. so that's that's the thing that i you know i'd love to encourage people to to understand you know we it's but the, the the hard part is it's sacrificing um now for for future opportunities you know one of the things and i and i it's jerry rice's quote and i'm gonna butcher it um but it's something, you know, he says something like, I'm willing to do today what others won't so that I can achieve tomorrow what others can't or something like that. Right. I, I can't remember. I, somebody needs to Google it. And tell, but but it's, it's basically do what you need to do now so that later, you know, you can achieve things that others. You can can't. become the best wide receiver in the history of football. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's by far the most prolific uh, right. receiver, right? To ever yep. play the game. And when you look and when you think about his workouts, I mean, even you know, I want to say that he tried to play or was playing a little bit even in his early forties. Yep. And they're like, the guy just works out like other people don't. Right. And so that's why he is who other people aren't. And his dad was a bricklayer, and he was helping dad lay bricks, and he would do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, helping his dad lay yeah. bricks, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Nothing's going to be harder than that." Right for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, you had mentioned that your mom uh, had COVID for a while. Yeah. Can, can you tell us as much as you feel comfortable? Absolutely. That? So, um, yeah. So I, boy, I yeah, I like to share this experience, and hopefully, this this has, you know this helps other people understand this virus. So, um, in May, uh, somewhere around the first week of May, um, I got a phone call. My mother has AIDS because she has Parkinson's. Mm. So not, not A I D S, but A I D E S. Right. Right. Uh, and so Helpers, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just, just want to make sure there's no confusion there. Right. So my, my mother has helpers, that uh, work with her, make sure she's okay, take care of her, just, you know, improving activities of daily living. So, um, and she had, so I received a call, hey, your mother's not doing exactly, we have some concerns. She has a dry cough and a low-grade fever. Mm. 
And so I was like, holy flipping cow, this is not good. And, you know, and, and I'll tell you, it's just kind of this sinking feeling. It's, you know, you, when you get that phone call, a bad phone call. So um, fortunately, because I was in healthcare, I did have some connections at HUP, you know, University of Pennsylvania Hospital. And so I made some calls. I'm like, look, my mom's symptomatic. Um, do you have beds? How are your outcomes? So the individual was like, look, get her, get her up in here. We can get her tested within two to three hours. And so I went up to New Jersey, um, ended up, uh, picking up my mom. And so, you know, my mom is in a wheelchair. She has a you know, a mask on. I mean, it's just, just freaking eerie, right? So it's nighttime. I have gloves. I have a mask on. Um, and I'm, I'm with my brother. And so we got to get her into the car. And, you know, we probably need to have the windows down because, you know, we just don't know what, you know, this virus is about. So we take her in. I will tell you to wheel your mother into the emergency room and not know whether you will see her again alive because they're like, hey, you got to leave. Mm. And you go through these, you know, we went through this tent. It's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a very um, helpless feeling. And then, you know, so I'm calling. I'm trying to find out whether she tested positive. You know, I'm trying to get all of this information and, um, um, again, if, if, if you don't have contacts, I try to explain the healthcare system's a little bit different. So I was able to find out she, you know, the next day, yeah, she tested positive, but she's doing okay. She's on a little bit of oxygen. She's going to come home in a few days. That was the deal. And as we all know now, there's a second wave that hits you. So a few days later, I'm speaking with the doctor. As I'm speaking with the doctor, he says to me, oh, my God, I got to call you back later. Your mother has collapsed. Oh, you're you're hearing that on the phone. Yeah. And then he hangs up. All right. So now now I'm sitting in a hotel room because I'm quarantined. Right. (laughs) And I'm waiting for someone to call me back. And so long story short, they call me back and they're like, look, this second wave basically has hit your mom. We don't know if she's going to survive. Okay. Um, Mom's in her mid-70s? My mother is 90. Oh, wow. <laughs> my mom had... Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, my, my mom is 90. And they're like, look, you know, do you want to put her on a ventilator? And I was like, my mom's request was to be put on a ventilator. She wants to fight it. And, um, but they're like, but if she goes on a ventilator, she's going to die. I mean, they say she's probably going to die. They say something like that. But at the end of the day, she was going to die. So fast forward a few more days. 
So her just breathing is bad. Issue with her heart. I mean, it just is, it felt like it's unraveling. Like, look, we really don't want to put her on a put her on a ventilator because it's not good. We have this thing called helmet therapy where they, we can put this helmet on her to help her breathe. I mean, it just sounds it, crazy. It's freaking nuts. So I look at this helmet and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. We, we, we then were fortunate enough to get her involved in an open study remdesivir clinic. Okay. And that was the turning point. She was in the ICU. Again, they kept calling, hey, you sure you want us to put her on a ventilator? Like, I mean, it was touch and go. Two days later from remdesivir, she gets off and... Um, she comes out of the ICU. I'm talking to some of the ICU clinicians, and they're like, you, you know, they're kind of celebrating her leaving the ICU. And I don't want to get too much into what the clinician said, except that there are a lot of people in the ICU that, that were in really, really bad shape, and they were very happy that my mother was leaving. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of that's the story on my mom. They then put her on an anticoagulant, anti-clotting drug. Right. For, um, for three months. Mm. So, you know, even though she went in in May, she she didn't really fully recover until like August. Wow! And now she's doing okay. She sounds like a badass. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she just. I, I thought not, your mom was in her seventies. Yeah, seventies. I figured you got a fighting chance. Yeah, ninety. Uh, ninety. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it should have been lights out. We're real fortunate. My mom just pretty much wasn't ready to check out. Yeah. And mm. so that's that's the deal. So she she so it's kind of a funny story. She she just says, "Hey, listen. I mean, I got to you know, I was supposed to have a party this year, so we got to move it to next year. So I'm not I'm not I'm not going to die. Yeah, we, need, <laughs> I got, we got we got to do the party. I need I need to be at the party. I yeah. need to be at the party. <laughs> All yeah, right, Daniel, you want to hit him with the uh, standard question? Oh yeah, sure. Kyle, the ever busy guy, has a meeting uh, or call very soon. Minutes. All right, we'll do this. Uh, it's a little lightning round question. Um, if you were 25 years old and didn't have any responsibilities, would you rather uh, try to become a stand-up comedian or uh, join the military or uh, start buying and flipping real estate? No, no, no. You're adding the third, <laughs> the, the third one's not part of the standard question. I mean, you can answer that if you I was going to say, I, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I wish I hadn't been so wimpy and had, had done real estate earlier in a bigger way, but uh, yeah, stand-up comedian. Yeah, M- military would not have been good for me. Really? Why not? I I think I think mentally I think they would have just broken me. No, 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 no way. I don't think so. Honestly, you remind me a little bit. Have you heard of Jocko Willink? Um, no, good he's person. A, he's a Navy SEAL. He has a podcast just all about discipline, getting after it. You know, and you remind me of him a little bit. Uh-huh. Like your build, it actually reminds me of Jocko. So. I think you would have been fine. Yeah. What, 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 how are they going to break you? Not physically, right? Because you played football in college. You, I you know, knew how to deal man, with all that. But I, but I just. You didn't want to be yelled at? That lasts for like I, eight weeks. Really? Yeah. Or 10 weeks, whatever it is now. Yeah. And Paul couldn't make it. Well, through. you were in the reserves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I National th- Guard. I thought, okay. I, I thought, I just. Yeah, I thought they just kind of kicked the shit out of you. No. Nah. They do in basic training. They break you down, and then they're uh, rebuilding you in their mold yeah. or the mold they want to See, rebuild you in. But it's it's actually 
camaraderie is amazing once you find a unit. So that's probably you, yeah, I probably don't understand. So I just watch things on on the movies. Yeah, you, like, you're um, thinking of Full Metal Jacket. Oh no, no, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm uh. thinking of you can't handle the truth. They, they order the code red on me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you, all basic training. You are, you, that's that's uh Colonel Jessup. Yeah, that's that's uh Marine Corps their Paris Island. Yeah, you, okay. you deal with it for several weeks okay. and then it's over. So suppose they order the code red on me. Then you're gonna get then I got a problem. You're gonna be in some pain for a while. <laughs> Yeah. And, you're, and you're going to get your stuff together so you, you don't get code, the code red any longer or another time. Yeah, it's a good time. So comedian, huh? And it's, and it's to avoid the mental breakdown. Yes, that the, that the, the code military. red. Yes, the code red mental breakdown. The code red induced mental breakdown. Interesting. I, yeah, because I feel like stand-up comedy might induce a mental breakdown of its own kind. It seems like more pressure. Yeah. I don't think Kyle caught through the uh, comedy side of the question yeah. as much as he did the, the military side. I, yeah, I was just worried about Code Red. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it simple, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not a Marine, so I don't know anything about Code Reds, but uh, I'm sure they're not officially sanctioned. But I'm also sure that things still happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's, he, he, he's, he said on the stand, we don't order, we don't order Code Reds. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's the official answer. All right, cool. So you, you mentioned your kids be great if you could say their names because hopefully they'll sure. listen to the end of this yeah. and then just tell us about your wife yep. a little bit. So my my oldest is Kyle. My middle one is Julia. My youngest is Warwick, but a lot of people can't pronounce the name. So including my his, his siblings. Really? So he, he ended up, we call, well, because they were calling him brother oh. and then it came out to butter. So everybody calls him Butter. Oh, nice. So that's his that's his deal. And then I got an incredible wife, Anne, who um, is very patient with me. She allows me. Oh, she has to be, right? Yeah. 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 So she she allows me. Thanks. She, <laughs> she she allows me to follow, you know, the real estate dreams and the and the football coaching dreams. And um, she lets you be you. She lets me be. Me and so I owe her, you know, a, a lifetime of appreciation that that I need to be able to show better. Yeah, this was all unsolicited. She didn't say, "Hey, she didn't know anybody." Yeah, you know, but I, I really, you know, um, I, you know, I, I think it's difficult sometimes because she just doesn't, um, she doesn't realize how much I appreciate it because I do a poor job. Communicating. Yeah, I'm, I'm awful at that. Well, hopefully she'll listen all the way through this and she'll hear what you just yeah, said. I hope. Because I, I, you, you clearly mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, the, your son, uh, Warwick, is it W-A-R-W-I-C-K? W-A-R-R-I-C-K. Okay. Who was he named for? Anybody? Work done, baby. Yes, he is. <laughs> My favorite Football. team's running back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He played for uh, Tampa Bay. He did. Yeah, and Florida State before that. Buccaneers, yeah. baby. Yeah, that's cool. Right. I, I, Daniel and I have known each other for a little over a year now, and he thinks I'm Gosh. just about. He knows I love sports, and I talk about the Buccaneers, so he literally thinks I'm like a one-dimensional guy, and he's probably right. I don't know. He, I, I like the way the Bucks are playing right now. Well, we've uh, we've paid a lot of money for a lot of really talented people. Let's yeah. see if it works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. And your coach is from New Jersey. Yeah, Jersey guy. Yeah. Uh, Went to Virginia Tech, I think, an undergrad, played ball at Tech. Yeah. And then he just coached everywhere, coached yeah. at Temple. and I like him, man. He's yeah. scrappy. He's definitely scrappy. 
definitely scrappy. All right, you want to end talking about your Eagles, or is this a bad year for you to talk about your Eagles? Or your Eagles? <laughs> Eagles. Wow. So what's scary, right, is that they're in first place right now with a 2-4-1 <laughs> and one record. That's crazy. Um, the comment has been made, you know, in in uh, for the NFC East, you know, they'll say, well, you know, to the Eagles, you know, are they are they trying to win the division, or are they trying to get a first round draft pick? I think they're trying to do both, maybe. Yeah, you can do that's that's <laughs> the, so that's the comment. So 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 you may actually be able to do both in the NFC East right if, now. If they lose their last game, they might get the second pick overall <laughs> kind of thing. And if they win their last game, they could go to the it's, playoffs. So so so, what's scary is it five. 10 and one may win that division. Mm. That's, that's the worst record ever. It has to be. That's, that's 10 losses. Yes. And one beautiful <laughs> tie to the Bengals. To the Bengals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Well, Kyle, it's been great having you. Thanks. We, we would talk a, a bit more, but you've got a, a call in, I'm, I'm in sure, two or three in minutes. Two or three minutes. Yeah, yeah man. Good. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Love really you guys. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, Having me do this. This yeah, was, this was awesome. You. Well, hopefully your kids enjoy it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome. All, right. All right. And other people too. Yes. All right.